0: Hi everyone. So this is episode five of our hybrid working podcast, which is going to be a shorter session all around adapting learning approaches. So we'll be jumping into how do we look at our learning solutions now um, to be all around, not just digital, factor in, having employees in all different locations, you know, applying the lessons that we've learned to sort of going back to the drawing board with, with how learning gets done really. So does anyone want to kick us off with the old, is digital transformation the best blanket approach?
1: I mean, does anyone still think it is? <laughs> this is more the question. Um, I think if anything, the, the last you know, several years of that being applied as a blanket approach has highlighted the fact that it just doesn't work. As with everything else in life, and especially in L&D, there is no one right way. Um, everything is context-based. Everything is situational.
2: Yeah, you flip that round to -to face-to-face as well, isn't it? Those people that still hold on to purely face-to-face training, thinking that that's the most effective. It's like, yeah, it might be for them, maybe that one specific issue you're trying to solve, but across the board, it's not going to solve all your issues. I
3: think as well, like, you know, when you say, is digital transformation, well, I mean, it might be contentious, but I wonder if digital transformation is any different from just transformation in general? And whether it's you know thinking about it as something that's really different, um, is is that is that right? Is that wrong? Because actually, just ultimately, it's still really around people, process, data, you know, um, whatever systems, and probably that last one last start. You know, think of the people, and then work through that. You know, and be led by your data, and and then think about your processes and your systems. So it certainly isn't a panacea, you know, and don't jump to tech. So Definitely. W-
1: uh, How do we...
0: Freedom. Sorry, Tom, we've got something to add to that.
1: <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's, exa- it's exactly the same in the in, when you look at learning specifically. Um, you kind of realise that you don't do only digital or only face-to-face or only this or only that. It's learning. You just choose whichever tool is best at the time. And it's exactly the same for change and transformation, right? You choose the best thing to change or transform into. You don't just go, well, that has to be digital because, well, everyone else is digital, it's, you know,
0: do do you think you know we've got a few businesses or L and D teams that are thinking right? We've had to adapt to an all digital approach, for, you know, almost two years. That seems to be effective. We'll sort of go with that and save the money from some of the you know face to face options or gath- gathering people together.
1: I th- we almost certainly do. I think um, I think they're not going to say that. No, they are wrong. I think they're wrong. Um, Because the moment we start talking about it's cheaper. Great. So we're not worried about how effective it is then because effective and cheap are not the same discussion. Um, Sometimes the most effective solution will be the most expensive solution. What actually matters in that situation is, does the effectiveness matter? You know, are you teaching someone how to save someone's life or are you teaching someone how to empty the bin? Um, (laughs) There's a, there's a big difference in effective versus cost, the cost conversation there. But I think there, you have to ask how they're measuring that effectiveness. Um, And I think in most worlds, sadly, we're still talking about, did you enjoy today's training? Yes. Excellent. This was great. Um, And if that's the level of data, go back to data, like you were saying, um, Tom, um, or Tom above me, I should say up there um (laughs) tom up above um if if you haven't got that data it's going to be very difficult to make an informed decision when making those decisions and changes between what's digital and what's face-to-face um but for those who have got it and they they shout about it because they're few and far between they are seeing that kind of it's all about the blend um as we've kind of always said but i think now for the first time we've seen what happens when it goes too far one way or the other
3: I think as well when it comes to digital and uh, Phil and I did a webinar earlier this week um, and one of the things I thought that was quite pertinent that came up was that when people talk about maybe digital and digital learning there's a trap to think that it maybe it's just e-learning and of course whilst we massively advocate e-learning and the benefits that that can bring without you know small sales pitch there um, you know which isn't what meant to be the, the point here digital is much much broader and so I think you know whether people are falling into a trap of thinking they've done it or it's it's being effective and they're not measuring it. There's also the trap I think of falling into digital as just one channel perhaps, but actually it's much broader. Just like saying something like you know digital, what about blended and and having all those kind of choices in front of you? There's so many ways that you can pull in great content in that digital space too. So think about that as well. I think as part of anything that you're reviewing or looking at in terms of how effective it may or may not
2: be i think it's key as well to not be afraid to review your decisions as well um you know sometimes i've seen it many a times actually where you'll put a solution in whether it's face-to-face e-learning a knowledge base whatever it might be and then assume great we've done that job's done off we go and let's move on to the next thing rather than thinking well Let's measure the effectiveness of that. If we don't have the data, what's the data that supports it? Let's put that in place and see what happens to those metrics and the the qualitative and quantitative data as well. Don't be afraid to include your people in, in all of this process as well. Um, and if it's not working figure out what the 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 next approach is and and use that data to and the insights from that to say well maybe we shift over to here or you know what we did get it wrong don't be afraid to communicate that out and just say the good side of stuff to say you know what we've learned from what we've done we're going to make this even better so therefore we're doing it in x approach I think we don't do enough of although it's in all of the kind of training needs analysis models and the Addy stuff and, and all that kind of uh, jazz and th- that's out there. We never seem to do it. Uh, it seems to be the mm-hmm. forgotten bit because we, we, the business is fast paced, isn't it? We don't always have the time to sit and analyze stuff. So I think there's probably a bit a bit of a supportiveness from the business there to allow L&D to actually sit and analyze and review what is the right solution scope it out and actually figure out from the start maybe what right might be right but if we do get it wrong which we will let's put it right and try something new
0: so how do we get that support from the business you know assuming you've got an D function that that wants to put that work in wants to get the data together and, and pitch a different idea um, of how learning should be approached but you know the business are, are not responsive or very focused on you know, budgets and cost cutting, how do we start that conversation and change what L&D can be?
2: Um, I think it splits into two journeys there, whether you, you're you already in that world of using different mediums or whether you're starting from scratch. So if you're starting from scratch, really, you need to go out and find out what data you have already, um, things like uh, new starter speed to competence data and their KPIs, if it's taken a long time like let's say 12 16 or even 12 months for those people to be competent flag that up you don't have any data to say otherwise that this new approach will be better but it's a starting point at least and then by going out to the people as well uh, what other metrics that are out there that aren't necessarily a hard business metric like your employee engagement surveys that we've talked about before and whether people feel supported because it's still about people's feelings at the end of the day if people don't feel they've got the opportunity to develop if they don't feel that they're empowered to learn well that's uh kind of good data and good insight to be going back to your business uh so if your senior stakeholders still say no when you go to them saying well here's the business metrics that support that we're not performing right and here's what your people are saying that they don't feel supported they'd be fools i think to to not listen and try something new but if you're already on that journey I think there's similar principles to be done there look at what the metrics are telling you Um, if performances aren't improving as a result of having this e-learning there for 12 16 months or this knowledge base there then look at that solution and and try and figure out a, a different way and again include your people in that do all of the the normal stuff and, and interview them and maybe do observations set them mini tasks and say can you find this particular piece of early e-learning on your lms because i guarantee 50 percent of the people probably can't navigate your lms so you might have the best content in the world but if people can't find it you've got no content at all
1: i think there's also a bit of a need to think about how lnd has those conversations within the business um i think most L&D professionals need to get a bit more comfortable with talking about money inside a business. Like you say, when a lot of companies are saying budgets and constraints and things like that, we need to be comfortable in pointing out the cost of not taking action. We need to point out the cost of non-compliance, of poor performance, of high staff turnover, and put them in those monetary terms because the business will always have that data to hand. It's the one data you can guarantee every business has because the tax man wants it at the end of the year. So, you know, it's going to be there when you need it. Um, And I think it's a skill set that isn't ever really talked about when you learn to be an instructional designer or an L&D manager or whatever job role you have in a business. But actually being able to walk into a board meeting or a senior leadership meeting and say, this is the cost of the monetary cost to the business of not changing our training approach suddenly you're talking the same language. You're no longer talking about learning objectives and improvement over time and ratios. You're talking the language that every business knows, which is money. Um, And so if you're saying the risk is this, but actually we can offset that risk to a reasonable level for this much smaller amount of money, again, business would be mad not to do it, right? That's kind of 101, small cost to offset big risk, happy days. But you need to be comfortable in having that conversation. And it's a skill set that I don't think many L&D departments have.
2: And it's tricky, isn't it? Because it's trying to monetize something that isn't always uh, has a monetary value to it. I guess the one that always springs to mind that uh, was quite impactful for for me that I've used in the past was about recruitment. So it's like, well, how do you? turn the attrition rate into a monetary value where you work out how much time and effort is put into the cost of recruiting those people from your external agency, through interviewing time, the the salary time of, of having people there actually interviewing, the cost and time to train the people of all of your your research, your assets and all of that. And it was something like £2,000 per person or something like that to do a face-to-face induction not fully working out to bring them on board just in those first 12 weeks of them coming in. So by the time you've worked out how many people are then leaving, and if you improve X metric by other results, well, how many less people have left, and therefore you've suddenly got a degree of a monetary value that proves the the value of what L&D have done there. But it's not just L&D's problem to solve. I think we need to remember that there is a wider business here. Historically, we've been kind of the people to look to to solve all of the business's problems and that's great but there are people who need to come on board with us on that journey and recognize that if there's let's say that insane same induction example it's not maybe just the induction training that needs to change but what does the recruitment look like what does the support after they've left look like what open opportunities do they have to self-development uh once they've left that kind of initial training environment so it's all of these factors we need to be looking at so although we're t- kind of talking about adapting learning strategies it's really about how the business adapts their overall learning strategies as a whole to support people and make people successful
3: i think one thing you can do because you know i totally agree with everything you guys have been saying that i also think that sometimes maybe in the absence of data one thing that's really powerful is kind of tapping into kind of make it make it emotive and bring it to life and i remember when i was doing a large transformation program at united utilities it was a 500 million pound program is one of the biggest changes that had ever happened. And some of it was going to be really fundamental in terms of how the business operated. One of the things we did very early on was kind of mapped out the target states of what was going to happen over the next sort of, you know, year, two years, five years, whatever the timescales were, you didn't have to be longer as that could be three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. And then we got all the senior directors um, into a room and we created the, what, what was, what would the world look like in across those time periods and then walked everyone through that to say, this is what this is what this will look like when these changes have happened. Here, and I think we did it in the, almost like the day in the life of. So the day in the life of someone that worked out on the treatment works, and the day in the life of someone who's in the head office, and the day in the life of someone in the call center. But it made it real, although there wasn't all of the data and the KPIs and the and the information we were able to kind of tap into, I guess, pull on people's sort of, you know, emotions and get them to really think about that is the world I want to get to, or actually I don't agree with that bit. And we were really, really able to tease out what that will look like. And I think that's the sort of thing that L&D could equally do, you know, it's like if we're trying to get a seat at the table or start to think about how we start to implement this and build it out, then create a view and tell a story. And then people can agree with or disagree with bits of that. And you start to create what you want your landscape to look like.
0: great I mean what do we do then if say we've got business priorities on the on the one hand of of kind of the goals and aspirations at the top level and then you've got user needs and and sort of day-to-day problems in different business units as an L&D person looking at that and thinking where do I focus my time you know who am I creating these learning approaches for would would you guys always say you know start with what what the business is driving towards that's the priority or is it complicated?
2: Um, I think it's not really that complicated because the user's needs or issues should still correlate to the, the what the business is trying to achieve. If somebody's not performing in their role, they don't feel supported or their team manager isn't giving them coaching, all of that is still aligned to some sort of business metric, whether it's performing for your clients, whether it's um, being a high performing team, whether it's uh, improving X amount of sales and revenue, everyone is working on the same goal. So their pain points will be related back to the business in some way. But I think it's very easy to say, well, We've gone through all this stuff, and we've you know we've had eighteen months worth of kind of all this change. So how do we make this better, and how do we keep evolving, and what does our strategy look like? And forget about that here and now. Um, you know what do people need right now, and let's focus on maybe that rather than some of the strategic stuff. Um, so you know people right now probably just want to feel maybe supported, want to know what the world currently looks like in the in the more short term, six to twelve months. Get some stability back as well. And then maybe look at saying, well, how do we change the world? I think giving people too much change too soon. So now trying to bring in all of this new stuff might be the wrong thing for your business as well. So as much as you might want to, maybe park it. And again, the only way you are maybe going to get to that insight is by talking to your people, which we've talked a lot about in this podcast, isn't it? It's kind of a running trend throughout all of these episodes. Is Talk to your people more. <laughs> They've got great insight for you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I think it's often overlooked both from a business perspective and an L&D perspective as if somehow talking to your people, well, your people don't know what they're talking about. They they just do the job. What would they know? Uh,
2: It's time consuming as well, isn't it? You know, people don't like the fact that you're not bringing a a solution necessarily straight away. We've got this problem. Let's quickly solve it. And unfortunately, some things need a bit more time to solve. Um, We've heard it a lot and we use it a lot, Tom, don't we? That you can rush training, but you can't rush learning. (laughs) And it's the same with anything in a business. You can rush transformation. You can rush change, but you can't speed up the process of people actually being able to do it. That's it.
0: Do you think there's some trepidation there as well? Of, of, you know, if we do reach out and we do get all this feedback of these, you know, this mass range of wants and needs and preferences, we won't be able to deliver it or we won't want to hear it. So let's just, you know, sort of head in the sand.
1: Well, if you don't want to hear it, you're the problem. Um, Would be the start to that. (laughs) It's pretty simple. Um, You, if whenever you ask anyone a question, you should totally be expecting them to turn around and say they hate you and everything you stand for. Is what I've always developed because that's, in some ways, that's far more useful than yeah everything's great I love it that's nice to hear but completely useless in terms of development um, you can't actually use that to change anything um, so what you want you they
2: love it they don't love it that, that's exactly what it is <laughs> yeah
1: there is no way any learning solution is any effective learning solution is ever greeted with universal praise it's just not realistic and again it's about asking the questions that you actually need to know. So do you like it is actually a fairly irrelevant question from a business perspective. What we wanna know is, is it effective? Now, would we also like people to not hate everything at work? Yes, however, are we ever gonna create, one of those phrases that irks me, the Netflix of learning? Well, hate to break it to everyone, e-learning will never be as interesting as Netflix. It's not going to happen. Netflix has superheroes and million pound actors in shows That's not what e-learning is about. It's not what workplace learning is about. So why don't we think about how do we create an effective thing to help someone do what they want to do for a living? Um, How do we make sure everyone keeps their job? How do we make sure the business is always here because we're compliant, so we're not sued out of existence? And think more about how we serve as opposed to how we entertain or enjoy or, or, or focus on those metrics that are nice to hear about, but actually from a learning perspective, maybe have slightly less impact for uh, in in what the business wants um so it really comes back to what questions you're asking and being willing to hear all the bad stuff that's the stuff you need to hear that's the stuff you want to hear
0: we do get though and we we hear about it all the time you know a lot of but you know not just in l and d but more specifically leaders in business that really aren't interested and you know that that starts off a very sort of blueprint of a toxic culture right there, isn't it? Where they've just decided they know best and they don't want to collaborate and find out what their people have to contribute.
2: No, but I think that comes back to being scared of hearing the truth, really. Um, At the end of the day, the people you're delivering to are the people that, to a degree, know best. It's not quite that old, you you know, customer's always right, but they do have great insight for you. And you might get loads of stuff back that's completely bonkers, but that's where it's our job and working with our senior leaders to say, well, what's a want and what's a need and what are some of those wants that maybe we could deliver on that aren't going to blow the budget and stuff like that. So um, you know, your people might come back and say, we want this um, kind of brilliant learning environment where we can go away and it's very Google-esque and there's slides and there's ball pits. We want a learning ball pit with every single ball has a different bit of knowledge on us, like something like that. <laughs> well, that's just not feasible, is it? You know, and it, can no, we no, have like... one.
0: Yeah, I want
2: one. Yeah, now. The knowledge ball pit. Do you guys um... not have
1: ball pits in your office? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so so there's kind of that that prime example of saying well you know what what you want we can't really do nor is it practical to do that but what you need and what you're basically telling us that sits behind that is that you actually want a suitable learning environment to go weigh and learning so that potentially we can deliver in could we create a learning lounge where a dedicated space in your business pods and some something a bit more interactive and, and engaging than maybe your bland desk that you hot desk and has no personalization on it so there's a degree there of great insight you can still get back can you deliver everything that somebody asked for no is a great insight to be taken from that yes
0: fantastic so if we look back then over kind of some of the things we've discussed in the last four or five episodes and now coming back to a, a time where a lot of people are returning to work be it part-time hybrid fully remote what what are some of the predictions that you guys you know are confident to make in terms of you know how we're going to learn tech how businesses are going to adapt things we're going to get wrong what the world of work is going to look like and, and how it's going to shift
2: i predict that people will go full force with all of this and then in 18 months two years time being exactly the same situation wondering why nothing's changing their business potentially um because just, I always start with it, start with your purpose. What is the issue and what is it you're trying to do? What is it your business vision as well? And how does L&D align to that? Um, so always start with, with your purpose. So my prediction is that many companies will find themselves exactly where they are in, in two years' time, just like they always have because they'll try something, but they won't necessarily spend the right time and focus doing it right. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, these are going to be quite bleak predictions, aren't they? I can't come up with anything. But I I feel like there's going to be a split and half of, maybe half, I don't know, I'm going to go with half, half of companies are going to desperately try and run back to where they were before everything happened. Um, And we can already see that with no, you must come to the office. We're not doing work at home or we're going to pay you less for your job because you're working at home. We're already seeing that even in big, famously great businesses to work at um google we're looking at you uh and then the other half i think are going to waste a supremely large amount of money buying technology they don't need um (laughs) is my sad prediction because but at least trying to do the right thing which is of the two options i think the better way to go even though it's more expensive um i think they will at least keep their good people i think the half that try and run back to where they were before are going to find themselves in staffing and talent crises over the following 18 months because everyone who's decent will go no I've had enough of this I'm going to go and work for the business who yes is buying technology that maybe isn't the right thing but at least they're trying to move forwards
3: yeah maybe not as maybe not as pessimistic as these two perhaps I don't know (laughs) I mean um I, I think there's an element of realism what you're saying in there though but um I don't know. I feel like the winds change direction, and I think it's gonna stay changed in terms of, of, of how you know we we've, we've definitely jumped forwards. I think that you know the last eighteen months has moved things forwards a good three to five years in terms of, of, of where we were into you know, just the things that have been embraced will will we'll not will not go backwards. I don't think, and I do think, you know that. That to, you know, learning development—I've said this a few times in a few different places. I think that LMD now is definitely more of it's—it's it's a must-have, not a nice to have—and uh, I think that that will definitely stay as well. I think, um, you know, so uh, yeah. I mean, can I make a prediction? I don't know, but I think there's just there is a moment in time now. I think that there's there's a there's a, there a there's a chance to really start making a difference with some of these things. Um, so, you know, that's why I think it's worth thinking about, you know, where you, where you want to, where, where does the business want to be, you know, how can we, how, how can we jump into that? And maybe, as we've said, I think a few times throughout this as well, to spend a little bit longer in the planning phase before you jump into the implementation phase, it will probably you know, mean that you don't end up in the pessimistic sort of world of these two <laughs> down here.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad, so glad we finished on you, Tom.
2: <laughs> yes, you're right Otherwise... that's how you avoid those pitfalls Tom is yeah. to spend a bit more time planning figure out the purpose what's the vision and let's build it around that let's not just bring in tech and bring in solutions yeah. for the sake of it because that's what everyone else is doing yeah exactly that's the point
0: I think you're right Tom we've got a um, bit of momentum it's just whether we want to seize it
2: yeah that's the point point.
0: and on that uplifting note despite the somewhat bleak start of the first two um, I think we'll, we'll close it there. And um, that is the end of our hybrid working podcast series.
1: Hey there, just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning into the I Am Learning podcast. Uh, We really hope you found it useful in this first series where we've looked at hybrid working. Uh, If you have, we would love to hear from you. There are details in the description of every episode about how you can get in touch with anyone that's been on the show, Uh, but you should also check out the I Am Learning website. There's a link in the description as well. We've got a blog, we've got examples of our content. There's so much stuff that you can take a look at, and it's all designed to help you improve. Improve your offering within your business we'd also love to hear what you'd like to hear us talk about in the future so get in touch thanks once again